Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective. It is uh, for us a Friday evening. I was very hopeful yesterday when it was 70 in February that I uh, had the air conditioning out of my car that um, we would be outside today, but it rained. So we're not, we're back indoors, but that's fine. Uh, you're probably indoors too. Or in their car. Or in their car. Which is also indoors. Right. Yeah. It's also indoors. You're, you're literally within doors. No, unless we have one motorcycle listener. Or a convertible. Both, or convertible. Right, a convertible, although I, I, my guess is our demographic does not skew toward well, convertible owners. Somebody at this table was driving a convertible uh, last in the last week, though, right? That's true. We're rocking a nice Benz in uh, uh, Arizona. So, <laughs> yeah, let's... So nice. l- let's ask real quick, how was your time at the Super Bowl, yeah. Brandon? It's a great time. Had a great car, great conversations, hung out in a cabin, did some reading. It was a great little uh, unplug from the norm. It was really good. Very nice. Very nice. Um, and Glendale's nice? Oh, yeah. Glendale's nice. But if you're going anywhere in that area, Sedona's the spot. It was absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. I've, I've been to Tempe, and uh, I don't see myself going back because um, I just go to New Mexico. So how are you doing, uh, Zach? I didn't know which one of us you were going. Well, yeah, I, was I, was I, was, yeah. I was deciding which which question was I preferred, and so I prefer his question. So that's why uh, I'm I'm doing well. Uh, looking forward to you know I'm a little bummed. Our normal routine of recording, going to the draft choice, and watching uh, college basketball, conference USA basketball is being upset tonight. How are we supposed to eat on a Friday? How evening? am I supposed to eat on a Friday? <laughs> you know, luckily I had Chinese food about twenty minutes before you guys yeah, got my, here. My love, my lovely wife, cook uh, said. Yeah, don't just eat at the draft trace. I made food for you, and I don't think she knew the draft trace was close. But um, our best to Annie. Lady and Luck. Our, our, our best to Beto, uh, Annie and Beto and uh, uh, Brittany and Donovan and their vacation. So, Zach. Maggie Simpson says two words in the history of the Simpsons. The first word, she says, was in season four. The second word, she says, is the last word said in the Simpsons movie. What is it? All right, I think I should get credit for the fact that the first word is data, and it's voiced by Kathleen Turner. You're wrong. It's Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor. I always confuse the two of them. One of them had eight Way wives. Way to give yourself bonus points no. that you eight got wrong. Actually, actually eight eight neither, neither of them had eight wives. Uh, the difference <laughs> Don't be- gender them. The, the difference <laughs> between- Right, yeah, right. It's a, uh, <laughs> gender's a construct. Um- the difference between Kathleen Turner and Elizabeth Taylor is Elizabeth Taylor was incredibly hot in the 50s. And I don't mean this in a, I mean, both in terms of a popularity issue and not a looks issue, although that's what I first meant. And then Kathleen Turner in the 80s and Body Heat is a movie that everyone should watch multiple times. Uh, I've only seen the Simpsons movie like four times. Only. Shit. Shit. The last time I watched it was with to show Laura the Simpsons movie, and that was like six years ago, because I'm a romantic. It's 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 so good. The Simpsons movie is is one of the ten best comedies uh, of the deck of the century. I'm gonna go with Bye Bye sequel. <laughs> yep, she says sequel. I you know Simpsons movie questions <laughs> should be different from Simpsons questions. I don't. I I, I strongly disagree. It's Simpsons questions. You're right. I, I mean, it's not like I'm if asking, you play Simpsons trivia, no, I'm, not, no, I'm not asking you a question about season twenty six. Like, I'm yeah, asking, that's fair. But line up some Simpson arcade trivia for uh, for next week. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. How you doing, Andrew? Uh, doing well. Doing well. Good to be back. 
I was very happy with this question. So uh, this weekend is the NBA All-Star Game. Soft. Which is, by the way, way too late. It's just way too late. It's way too late in the year. It should be. They don't want. They, uh, they should the run. NFL. They should run it against the Pro Bowl. I think That's the NBA All Star Game would beat the Pro Bowl. It would. Although they might have done that once or not. They do the NHL All Star Game that weekend too. So maybe they. I don't know. All right. I, do, I, do I, one, your points well taken. Do one Saturday, one Sunday. Sure. And, and then the Pro Bowl could happen, you know, in a March or something. Um, so only one Washington player. And at the time, it was the Washington Bullets. Has won an all-star MVP. Though he is much more associated with a different team. Where he is. He was so highly regarded. He became mayor of the town. Of the city. Who is he? And is he dead or alive? There are only two. I can think of only two NBA players. Who became mayors of their town. Washington Bullets was a wild name. The Baltimore Bullets is cooler. So. So you're saying the, the team that he's more known for, he went on to be the mayor in that of town. that town, right? That town. He, not, he played for Washington. I think he, and he played, and he for, played the for the Celtics right at the end of his career. Sure. But but, but, he played but for nine the, of years, the Bullets Wizard franchise, right? Okay, right. But the, for nine years, he was multiple All Stars for sure. this other team, and then he became sure. mayor of that city. Sure, you might know this. Yeah, Vladi Divac in Sacramento. Vladi Divac was mayor of San Francisco. Kevin Johnson was mayor of Sacramento. In my mind, Vladi Divac, <laughs> <laughs> not a citizen. <laughs> You could be mayor and not a citizen. You can't be president and not a Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor. <laughs> well, that's right. He was. He had citizenship. This is great filler. <laughs> he was a guard, though, like Kevin Johnson. He was a guard. You could see the brain moving. Yeah. yeah. The Rolodex is happening. Boy. Those of you on YouTube are really enjoying this. <laughs> just staring at this newly buzzed head, just kind of smoke come out of the ears. Yeah. But you're not bald. Boy. No, hairline's pretty strong. It's, hairline's not, it's, strong. Not, it's not bad. It's not great, but it's... A little Eddie Munsterish. A little bit. A little, little Widow's <laughs> Peak, but it is what it is. 34. Uh, no. All right. TikTok, TikTok. Um, man, I really have nothing here. What decade? Uh, it, was, for- it was the um, 70s. I think uh, he, he won the MVP in 77. Might have been 76. Do you want me to give you the team? It was the Pistons. Oh fuck! Um, yeah, I mean, you basically, it's uh, it's a guard, it's a guard. Jesus Christ! Oh my God! I, I'm tapping out. What are his initials? This, uh, this is not doesn't count. What is DB? Dave Bing. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, it was Dave. It Bing. was Dave Bing. He was he was twice mayor of Detroit. Of, of Detroit. That's right. God damn. But he won the MVP um with the with the uh, Washington Bullets, which I had forgotten he ever played for. I, I, thought I had no re- idea he played for them. I, I thought he Honestly. retired as a bullet, but a lot of guys back then retired with the bullets. Bobby Dandridge did like they like they they were they were specialists at picking up guys and getting one or two good years out of them at the end of their career, and then you know, like in Moneyball, I'm going to milk the last juice out of you as a player. Sure, we'll sure. be talking about Moneyball later on. <laughs> so, uh, Andrew, want to talk about our main topic? Uh, sure. Well, before we get there, I mean, what, what's everybody written about today? I was going to do that after. Oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 I didn't no, mean to step no, on I, your I just toes. decided I was going to. No, I just decided we'd. We go in se- sequence or no? Season eight, we'd mix it up. This is what happens right. when you call an audible. <laughs> I know. And I was. Uh, season eight, I said, we're going to mix this up. Miss that huddle. Um, Today's main topic. Keep it fresh. 
couple of weeks ago in East Palestine, Ohio, a train freight train carrying um, all sorts of things. Among those being what's the name of the chemical? Most notable vinyl chloride. Vinyl chloride um, was derailed. And we're going to talk about that, the the response from the state of Ohio, the response from the White House, and I think above all, it's like kind of like the the media reaction to said responses. And and you were pointing out off the air that, uh, or maybe it was Zach, that white cloud is it white cloud? What's the movie? Uh, white the, cloud. White, white cloud. No, uh, white noise. White noise. I'm sorry. The yeah. uh, novel by uh, Don DeLillo, mm-hmm. a, a great, great, great American writer. Uh, uh, the novel is much better than the movie. And uh, like, the movie was the movie was set uh, was often filmed in East Palestine, yeah. yeah. and it's about an environmental catastrophe. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, what will you be ranting about? Uh, another head coaching cycle in the NFL has come and gone, and yet again, Eric Bieniemy is left on the outside looking in. And I'm going to talk about how in the fuck this is possible, and we all know why. But yeah. always a bridesmaid, <laughs> never a bride. Yeah. He wasn't even a bridesmaid this time. He didn't interview yeah. for one. Zach, uh, I'll be ranting about the. Uh, raucous Republican response uh, to Joe Biden's State of the Union. Marjorie Taylor Greene screaming in a mink coat, uh, in, in, in a fur coat, is, you know... Yeah. She's, a, she's a representative of the people. Yeah, a, 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 right. It, it's for the economically uh, disaffected. And I will be, uh, speaking about economically disaffected Republicans, I will be talking about Nikki Haley... And her foray as a never Trumper who's been an always Trumper. And we'll be back with the Bill Bradley Collective. Driving into the crossroads of sports and politics, we are the Bill Bradley Collective. Here are your hosts, Ed, Zach, and Andrew. So to start us off uh, this week, I'm going to go with the ever-fresh topic, the State of the Union, which uh, was a couple weeks ago, about a week and a half. And one of the things I wanted to talk about during the State of the Union, if you watched it, I'm sure you might have seen clips on Twitter. It was kind of a news story how this speech went. Um, Back in 2010, after the Tea Party takeover of Congress, Obama was giving a State of the Union speech, and Joe Wilson, a rep from South Carolina yelled, you lied uh, during the speech and was pretty much condemned from everybody. Correct. Like Boehner said that was inappropriate. You know, the Dem- Pelosi said it was inappropriate. It was kind of widely condemned. He was uh, censored, I believe, on the floor of Congress and had to issue an apology. I believe they were a formal reprimand. I think it was a formal reprimand. Yeah, they issued like a formal reprimand and he had to apologize. Uh, then fast forward 13 years and a bigger growth in the Tea Party, now turned MAGA movement. And this speech was raucous. And I think in a way that actually helped Biden because he got to look presidential while the opponents hooted and hollered like a bunch of rabid baboons. You know, you had... Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert up there screaming, calling him a liar. They've since given speeches saying they were proud to call him a liar because people need to know he's a liar. And the thing he was lying about that they got so upset was their own proposal to cut Medicare and Social Security. 
that is Rick Scott, the Senate like policy guy's main proposal is to cut Social Security and Medicaid. Ron Johnson uh, gave a speech saying, we need to sunset Social Security. It's a Ponzi scheme. That is their beliefs. Biden called them out for it. And Republicans booed and yelled and hissed. And Biden really turned this to his advantage by basically saying like, okay, so we're not going to do that and got, you know, it was probably his best moment of the speech. I love conversions. I love conversions. And, you know, it was the the Adderall injection that they shot Biden up with before this speech, (laughs) you know, really came through in that moment. Uh, But just the behavior, like, this is who the Republicans are now. Like, the decorum that we're used to seeing in politics, like, the normal, like, okay, we pay respect to the president is just gone. Like, it's out the window now. And it, you know, it reminds me of, like, when the country first started and you would have, like, farmers from the hills in Congress and they would be caning each other, like, going on duels. It's like, okay, we're heading back to, like, that kind of level of instability in the people's house. The the man that beat... uh... I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm, it's, I'll think of it the second I get into the car. The two people who were involved in the in the famous caning, uh, um, Charles Sum- Sumner. Sumner. Sumner was the one that was hit, right? That man was, a, I mean, he was a farmer in that he owned a huge plantation in the South, but yeah. that's like he had never, ever touched the ground once. It was very much like the House of Commons in England where – there's it just everything just degenerates into this kind of clown show and this is possible when you have a party that has no interest whatsoever in doing any governance they don't want like governance requires compromise compromise requires the ability to depersonalize at some level yeah and that but they don't want to govern they want they want this show because the leading fundraisers for the Republican Party are likely to be Bobert and Green. And it's one of those things of like, you know, it's like the debt ceiling, which is what Biden was alluding to by saying, like, we're not going to be held hostage to cut these programs to raise the debt ceiling. It's like, okay, what's your demands for the debt ceiling? Like, remember back in 2010 right. when Boehner, like, Cruz, Ted Cruz had a demand. He wanted to defund Obamacare. That was the demand. He lost. These Republicans, it's like, what's your demand and they don't have any. No. They, they have no demand. So you can't negotiate with them. They're just going to, they're hooting chuds. Yeah, they, they have no policies. So this week, the final two head coaching vacancies for the forthcoming 2023 NFL season were filled. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, mercifully, uh, went above overruled owner Jim Irsay in his desire to hire Jeff Saturday by going with Eagles offensive coordinator Stain, uh, Shane Steichen. And the Cardinals went with Eagles defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. Um, once again, this is yet another cycle, the fourth now, where Chiefs offensive coordinator, Super Bowl winning, again, Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy has been passed over. Let's look quickly, like, let's take Steichen, for example. If you watched, minus the kind of, like, magnificent quarterback play uh, from both sides, Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, one of the big storylines to me of the second half of that game were the adjustments that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy made and the lack of adjustments that Shane Steichen and the Eagles defense didn't make. Um, well, well, Gannon coached Gannon. the... I'm sorry, Gannon, excuse me, right. Gannon. Sorry, these, got a bunch of names that right. I'm about to... The offense didn't play that well either, but... No. In the second half. It was really just a lot of, like, hurts, just magic. 
So if you're like the Cardinals, and I kind of I can understand how it's very commonplace for teams when they when they uh, fire an offensive-minded coach like they did in Cliff Kingsbury to go defense. Um, but again, I I just don't see how Jonathan Gannon is anywhere near in the caliber of a candidate that Eric Bieniemy is. Let's kind of like run down um, the knocks, the reasons that people kind of uh, put forth as to why Bieniemy has been you know left out of of these in these cycles. The biggest one I hear is about, well, it's Andy Reid's offense. Like he doesn't, the enemy doesn't call the plays. Okay. Kevin O'Connell, Minnesota didn't call the plays for the Rams. Our guy in Denver, uh, Nathaniel Hackett didn't call the plays in green Bay. You see how that turned out. I mean, still, he still got hired. Frank, Frank Reich did not call plays in in Philadelphia. Frank Reich, Matt Nagy down the line. We have seen already, I mean, come and go. We have seen the likes of Joe Judge. We've seen the likes of Matt Gase, um, most notably, um, all get hired before Biennemi. You want to say Biennemi doesn't interview well. <laughs> you want to say he's got a DUI from over 20 years ago. Uh, he's got an assault charge from his days at the University of Colorado from 30, 35 years ago. People want to talk, them, talk themselves into these, they want to jump through hoops to kind of explain away well, why Biennemi isn't worthy. We all know why people don't think he's worthy. NFL front offices don't think he's worthy. He's African-American. Let's just, you know, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three. And then this is a fourth cycle. It's past the point of ridiculous. It's past the point of absurdity. He is so overqualified. It's head scratching, but it's head scratching in a way where like I'm not head scratching to kind of, I can't figure it out. I can figure it out. The fact that not, you know, it hasn't been called out like it should be. Um, it's really disappointing. I, uh, before I get into my response to this, I, I watched Gannon's uh, opening press conference with the Cardinals. That was pretty cool. He's he's all in on he Kyler. Clearly, like interviewed well. He's, yeah, he's, and he's good with the press and this and, and that. he's a player. He but seems like the players are going to love him. Ben so- Ben Solik says he never loses a press conference and never makes any adjustments defensively. Those are the two things you always <laughs> but, know about him. But the thing with Bieniemy is like at you're right. Like at this point, it's beyond the pale because he has now won two Super Bowls under hi- him as the offensive coordinator with a dynamic offense, which this year they didn't have, their best receiver was Juju Smith-Schuster. He's not the best receiver on any other team in the NFL. And he was their best receiver. Giants. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I would I would say it, would be, it was Kadarius Tony, but then they traded them to the Chiefs. <laughs> to go from Tyreek Hill to Juju Smith-Schuster is to not really skip a beat. No, I they're mean, still a most, like, a ridiculous offense. And, like, Every other offensive coordinator, Adam Gates got credit for Peyton Manning. You know, Nathaniel Hackett got credit for Aaron Rodgers. You know, these offensive coordinators keep getting credit for these quarterbacks, except the enemy with Mahomes, and everyone gives the credit to Reed. And it's like, well, why is it 29 of the 30 other NFL coordinators are responsible for their quarterback, but in this one instance, he's not? And you're right, because if that's true, if that is true, Every team looking for a head coach has violated the Rooney Rule. Well, every every team looking for a head coach has violated the Rooney Rule. Yeah. I mean, that, that, the Rooney Rule, the Rooney Rule, you know, to quote the Simpsons, the Rooney Rule is more impotent than the Las Vegas Boxing Commission. Um, the, you know, I mean, Jim Ursay hired Jeff Saturday, who was just on his couch watching the game. By the way, Jim and Ur- then wanted him to continue to coach this year. Which, Jim Irsay, who has a DUI in like the last eight years, right. 
Right. Well, right. Uh, Steve. Um, You're talking about Bietam. He's doing it 20 years. Yeah, like, the other one, Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes went six and six with the Panthers uh, when he took over. Mm-hmm. He got fired in his first year. After he coached one year and got fired, the last three coaches who have only coached one year and out, well, last four. One is Urban Meyer, and the other three are black. Um, it's obviously ridiculous. Roger Sherman and I have not read the article yet. I was starting to read it, and the timer went off to come here. Roger Sherman in the Ringer wrote an article uh, called um, "Eric Bieniemy is now kicked out of the line for the coaching carousel." Did he really? I yeah. So Roger Sherman's a really good writer. I'll, I'll be sure to read that. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it, it's. I mean, it is so obvious that what the problem is, and that the owners just don't care. You know, the only place that hires black coaches is the Texans, who have the worst organization in the league. You know, they gave D'Amico Ryan six years after giving just one year contracts to everybody else. We'll see how he does, but literally, no. I mean, if there was a zero percent chance, if Nathaniel Hackett was black. He would have been gotten the offensive coordinator job for um, for the Jets. There's a zero percent chance because it was said, "Well, you didn't call plays in Green Bay. You failed spectacularly in Denver." No, Andy Reid himself, uh, a play calling genius for sure. When he when he hired gets his first head coaching job in Philly in '99, comes over from Green Bay where he was the quarterbacks coach and assistant head coach to Holmgren, not calling the plays. Mike Kafka, current Giants offensive coordinator, another Reed disciple, doesn't call the plays of the Giants, was a finalist. This was his first year of the Giants, was a finalist for the Colts job, one of the final three guys, was believed league-wide to be much closer to landing a job than Eric Bieniemy, despite Bieniemy's much longer-tenured success. It's just so loud. It's so yeah. loud. Uh, yeah. And if, if the NFL actually cared, they would have done something about it. I am going to talk... I was I was tempted to talk about the fact that Adam Silver did not pull the uh, All Star game out of Utah. Oh, by the way, did you see how they're doing the captains' picks for the NBA All Star game? Mm-hmm. No. Remember when I said like mm-hmm. this? Everybody gets a ribbon bull crap. I the NBA literally this, did that, <laughs> where it they didn't want to have anyone be picked last. Well, you know why? Because Rudy Gobert's not there. He's always the last. Pick. They d- they don't want anyone to be picked last. So now they're going to pick the reserves first and then the starters. So that way nobody gets the last pick. Nobody's picked last in the draft. Gre- right. Quickly before you start, Greg Wyszynski had a great thing on Twitter today, and he covers the NHL for ESPN. And for years, uh, the NHL did the same thing before the NBA did it. And it became we like Bettman was like, we don't want to mock the last player taken. It became kind of a joke. Like Phil Kessel was famously like laughed at by Ovechkin and Ovechkin took a picture. And, and this happened like four or five times. And what it did was they just stopped doing it. And they went to this current system. They have the three on three tournament. I mean, participation trophies galore here. I mean, what are we? And it, if there's ever been a We're year, soft. if there's ever been a year where the last person picked in a draft shouldn't be ashamed it's this year because of brock purdy yes <laughs> so anyway we have our second competitor in the race for uh the republican nomination finally and that is one nikki haley former governor of south carolina and former trump uh appointee to the united nations she came out and gave a stirring speech about the need for a new generation how the things have to change because if Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven of the last eight elect presidential elections, she said, this has to change. And the person to change it is a person 
who was a psychophant in the Trump administration up until he had clearly lost the election, and then she kind of bailed. She had, she was she got all upset about the insurrection because unlike many of her Republican colleagues, she's not stone cold stupid, and she said, "Oh, this could be a problem down the road." Um, but let us not forget. She stood by him when he said that there are fine people on both sides of the week. We are, uh, they will not replace us March in, in, in Charlottesville. Unite the right. Right. She stood behind them when he created unbelievably cruel and dangerous policies in terms of immigration and defended them in the United Nations. She defended him when he pulled the troops out of the Ukraine that was blocking Russia's progress. She defended him on everything. She said that his cognitive test where he did, what was that? Lion. No, man, man, woman, telephone, television, person. Yeah, or something. Um, That, you know, she went on and and just defend, you know, said how uh, impressive that was. She is the problem. And it's going to be interesting to see if other people people follow her into this pool, right now she's polling in the low single digits. When this is all over, she will be in the low single digits. A, the Republicans are very unlikely to nominate a woman. And B, um, if people wanted Trump, they'd just vote for Trump. And she she has but the problem is if you if you they want to nominate somebody who was an anti-Trumper from the beginning, it's Romney or Murkowski or Collins, and none of them could win, and you don't want any of them. Romney's probably the best choice of those three. But um, So Nikki Haley, uh, we, we see through you. We see you. We remember you. Yeah, Nikki Haley, I believe in the last poll I saw in New Hampshire was like, I think 2%, 2 or 3%. Um. She has no shot. No, this is something that Republicans and a lot of people fundamentally don't understand about the Republican Party right now, which is 35 to 40 percent of those voters and 80 percent of the primary voters are disaffected working class whites who buy into a populist message that's either anti-immigrant or anti-wealthy. It's why there were a lot of Bernie Trump voters or Trump Bernie voters, because it just depends on is there hatred for the wealthy, which, by the way, Trump also ran on and did and still does when he talks about the wealthy elites. Is there racism bigger than their hatred for for the wealthy? And, you know, odds are in a lot of the places. Yeah, it is. But they don't understand. They're like Nikki Haley is there is not going to be a Republican nominee that can capture these voters that's not named Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis' whole thing of like, I'm Trump without the baggage. They want the baggage. Trump well, tweeted, Rihanna's nothing without her stylist. And his and their and his and his hordes ate it up. They love that shit. He's making fun of Rihanna. That's great. That's what they care about. And, De- and DeSantis, A, is a fascist. I mean, he is, he yeah, is just horrified. And B, you know how you know that Nikki Haley wasn't a problem to Trump? He hasn't They're, made fun of her. He's made, he hasn't made fun of her. Not one time. He has no bad nickname for her. He's not, he's not doing it now. He do- 
She would have to remind him she existed before this. I also think it's bullshit that it's white, white disaffected, economically disaffected voters. It's a billion rich people. It's a whole bunch of super rich people the, who, who, are, who play on the racism to get tax cuts. We know that because they played on the racism to get tax no, cuts. No, that's... That too funds a lot of his ads, but his actual voters are not rich people because Fairfield County, the richest county in America, flipped from red to blue because of Donald Trump. The richest counties in, yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, Orange Orange County, where Katie Porter is Orange County flipped too. The richest county in California flipped from red to blue. It is not the wealthy. They'll fund it. It is the working class that is backing him. Haley's fellow South Carolinian, um, Senator Tim Scott, who I think it's widely believed is going to attempt to to run. He was asked um, about if he did enter the race, if it was like if if there was enough room for two uh, people from South Carolina. He said, I think there's room for, for three or four of us. And I oh, think Lindsey Graham. Graham. Lindsey Graham, Graham, come on Brandon. down. But it's Lindsey like Graham's back. Both we'll, we'll have an Indian woman, a gay it's guy, it. and a black guy. That's it. Hit, hit all the quotas. The fact is, and like you said about like Trump and maybe DeSantis, maybe DeSantis, if your name's not Trump, how much money is just going to be lit on fire to run an unwinnable race? Yeah. Really, it's, 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 pathetic. it's pathetic. They're not going to raise us. They're not going to be able to fundraise. Because the wealthy donors will, will go behind, the wealthy establishment will go behind DeSantis. The wealthy nutcases like Matt Schlapp are going to go behind Trump. And then who the hell's funding Nikki Haley's campaign? A lot of Indian money in politics. But we'll be back after this to talk about the train derailment in Ohio. Another uplifting topic from the Bill Bradley Collective. Do you enjoy Pokemon Go but wish you could also keep up with the times? Try Politic Go, the game where you can find and catch rich people and evolve them into senators and congresspeople. Paul Ryan, I choose you. Use white privilege. It's super effective. You can even catch actually decent human beings and try to change the world. My Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is evolving into a Bernie Sanders. You can even battle against your friends' politicians. Einstein, use loaded question. (laughs) Betsy DeVos uses dumb. Vouchers? It's super effective. Jeff Sessions, use memory loss. I do not recall. Politic go, because the world is a fucking joke. So, we're back. Last week, or week before, this month. In uh, February. In February, (laughs) we had an accident in the... Bizarrely named East Palestine, Ohio. Yeah, weirdly, Israel keeps bombing it. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Are you sure Israel wasn't behind this? Yeah. The whole thing in the first place? Like, um, all right, there's tropes there. Uh, I know, and, uh, I know. But, um, and it created an environmental disaster. Um, the question is, the extent of the disaster, the extent of the response, um, and how I think what we're going to look at is how this incident indicates that our country is now no longer governing in any way to benefit the people. Um, No, we are in late-stage capitalism. So we're not going to go over all the chemical names (laughs) That were Good. released. But re- <laughs> the, the main one that you have to worry that you have to know is vinyl chloride. Sure, that's that's the big one. 
Right. Because that's the one that causes like cancer and has all the carcinogens right. in it. That was the most dangerous. There's bifate axolot or something like all these yep. scientific names, but vinyl chloride. For the purpose of this pod, vinyl chloride encompasses all, encompasses all right. the chemicals. I don't know who made the decision. It must have been FEMA made the decision that they were going to blow up these tanks. Uh, and, and Governor DeWine from Ohio well, said, one of two things we were going ha- to happen. We would blow it up in a controlled way, or it would blow up in its, by its own in an uncontrolled way. There was no third option. Yeah, they... There were about 36 train cars that derailed total. And I think 11 or 12 of them carried some sort of hazardous material on it. Which, by the way, because they were also carrying frozen vegetables and steel and concrete, they did not have to disclose to the state of Ohio that they were uh, traveling and carrying hazardous materials through their state. Because that was not a majority of their cargo. Um, who, wa- who made that decision? I mean, how was that decision made? Is it a fed- it's got to be it's a, a federal, federal. It's a federal loophole that they were able to take advantage of. This company, Norfolk Southern, um, I'm sure I'll address it a couple times. Just a complete villain in this. But the about 11, 12 of the, of the uh, cargo carts... Uh, had these had these hazardous chemicals in them, and they had to evacuate this forty eight hundred person town. They evacuated it in a one by two square mile uh, area because they didn't know if this was going to explode and what would happen there. I think there was about five hundred residents that stayed, but the vast majority have fled. And when they exploded these chemicals in a controlled burn, uh, did you guys see the clip of it? It it's horrifying just black smoke it looks like kind of like a, it looks very similar to like a nuclear bomb cloud just going up like it doesn't look like a normal fire right. and they showed um i saw a picture of what the iss uh the international space shuttle when they were going over ohio took a picture of what it looked like and it's just all black smoke in the atmosphere um this has led to uh there have been reports that wild stock that, or sorry, livestock have died. Well, yeah, but we have to get we have to look at those reports the EP, in a bit. The EPA is denying that. The EPA uh, has said there were thirty five hundred fish that died. Yes, in, in a the, river. For, immediately in the yeah. river. Yeah, in the Ohio right. River, which right. by the way serves five million people. Right. So if the Ohio River gets polluted, it's a big deal. Well, the the Ohio River is polluted, but well, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it, if it becomes contaminated, yeah, yeah, contaminated. I mean, it is the river, I believe, that lit on fire, uh, or is that the Kachoga? That's the that's the Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga River. Cuyahoga River. Um, but yeah, I mean, and and we're going to get into this, and we may as well start it now because there are reports all over the place, and by all over the place, I mean in right wing media, uh, internet, and on Fox News that hunt that. Livestock has been dying hundreds of miles away, uh, over 100 miles away. Over 100 miles away, yeah. And according to FEMA, and again, we could we could take that with a grain of salt if you want. There is one calf that died that they're going that they're looking at the tissue sample to see if it, it was affected. But obviously, I don't live there, and if I lived there, I would be. I mean, first of all, if I lived in Ohio, I 
you know, death would seem welcome. But I, uh, but yeah, the the uh, state the state with the most astronauts because everyone would rather leave <laughs> the planet than stay in Ohio. Right. But um, but we should probably get into it right now because let's, this let's is this has failed. If we wonder how our media is doing, this has demonstrated the absolute failure of media to purvey to convey information to the public in a way that we can agree is rational. It's it's been really tough, and Andrew, I want to get your perspective on this because I think you and I we were talking a little bit off off air, and I think you and I are in the same in the same area on this. Uh, on this view, which is like these right wingers have really capitalized uh, on this environmental catastrophe and being able to say like the government is covering this up. The government is, you know, not telling us the truth uh, that they are not letting out. You know, there are they are uh, on Twitter. They are amplifying tweets, talking about livestock deaths, talking about people you know, 50, 100 miles away, reporting headaches, nausea, all the symptoms that come with being poisoned by vinyl chloride and by all of these other chemicals. And, like, I really don't want to agree with them because these are people that are horrifying, like, but I do think there is something to the fact that there is a reason why CNN, MSNBC, Fox, you know, not Fox News, Fox News actually has covered this, but why CNN and MSNBC have not covered this really at all? I don't, uh, CNN. I, I've read six different posts. I'm talking, I'm talking about television. Well, I mean, Te- I, I'm assuming that if they have a if they have a website post, they've also covered it. It's, I mean, I don't watch any it's, CNN. It's been mostly about the balloons. You know, this is not like they've started covering it a little bit more as the outcry got up. But like a reporter for News Nation got arrested for covering this. And nobody talked about it. Well, we're, we'll we'll have that discussion. I'm going to let Andrew go because we'll, we'll Andrew, have we'll have this discussion because it's been talked about. It's, it's in the New York the, Times. The New York Times. The New York Times. Uh, yeah. just so we'll talk about, about it. Let, let's let Andrew yeah. talk. If you want to talk about um, sort of the right wing, the right wing part of the media, their response, like you can kind of see through, kind of the bad faithism of a lot of their coverage, explicitly like Fox News, for example. Uh, you've got any chance they have, any chance they have to punch at the Biden administration and any any sort of potential failure of the administration in the response, they're going to take that punch. They're going to take that shot. As far as we know, Biden reached out to DeWine and was like, you know, and, De- yeah. and DeWine's been the one that said like, you know what, we've got this under control, whatever, we don't need, we don't need, you know, we don't, J.D. Vance, the junior senator in Ohio, uh, has gone on the contrary. This is J.D. Vance is a guy who's never met a Fox News interview uh, that he's turned down. And J.D. Vance is like, no, the White House needs to be more involved, you know, to, you know, kind of going above DeWine's head and saying that, like, no, this is a the administration has not reacted um, up to up to par. Um, they and if you look at like media types, so outside of like, you know, government, it's all about taking the shot at Biden, taking the shot at a, a it's a failure of infrastructure. It's a failure of, of just like our federal response. It's, it's convenient that it is Biden, the white house and not, and not Trump. It's, I, I don't listen. It's, it's an environmental catastrophe. Like you said, you see these town hall meetings they have with residents and they're talking about how people are, you have business owners talking about how their factories, like th- there's the smell that they can't get out. There's people, like you said, that are, that are, that are getting sick and coughing. Like we need to take, 
not shit, seriously, these are people on the ground. And I get the idea that perhaps, perhaps the response has in fact been substandard. But the people that are pushing that, that narrative, whether it's true or not, I don't think they actually give a shit. I just think they're, it's an, a certain level of opportunism. And, you know, here's a, here's a chance for us to get one over on Biden. Like, he's failing at this. I don't think they really care about the people of East Palestine, ultimately. I, I don't disagree that Biden should be doing more. I disagree with the assessment that he's not doing anything, which is the, the punches that they're throwing at him. Because, like, the EPA is Biden's EPA. Federal, yeah. FEMA is Biden's FEMA. Biden is sending medical uh, environmental experts to go there to test people and test the area. Like Biden, the problem with this is like, I don't disagree that Biden should be doing more. I just don't know what more he well, should be doing because this is kind of a, this is kind of a new area where we have this environmental catastrophe and it's not an oil spill like BP in the Gulf of Mexico. This is a chemical carcinogenic air pollutant air contaminant that's been released in this small town so like i don't exactly know what more he could well, do well, you know well, like well, i think he's done everything well, he probably could but i just feel like he should do more let's look at the cnn response the report today yeah okay, cna reported it today governor mike dewine of uh, republican governor asked the u.s center for disease control and prevention and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services to send teams to East Palestine. And he did that Thursday. Yeah. He waited. Could you imagine the uproar on right-wing media if DeWine said, we don't want you, and then we send in the troops anyway? I yeah. mean, we send in these people oh, of anyway. Course. They can't do it. Yeah. Right. So, so Biden is now being told, you cannot send anyone. However, if you don't send anyone, that's also your fault. It's your fault if you do. It's your fault if you don't. This, well, this, the day he was asked, I mean, the day after he was asked, they deployed federal medical experts to help assess the dangers at the, at the Ohio Village where trains carrying hazardous materials uh, from the derailment. He, the second they asked, he did it. But you can't, like, he's in a no-win situation. You can't send it. Like, we tend to wait for states to request help when the states say we don't want help the government then doesn't overrule yeah i mean that's federalism i mean it's it's the problem with the right wing and especially the the wing of the right wing that have taken exception to this the jack basobiaks the matt walsh's nick sertor the, the yeah the all these fucking nutcases is like it run they run into this ideological paradox where they don't believe in a strong federal government However, when there's a natural, when there's a disaster that requires a strong federal government, they demand a strong federal response. Well, and except they don't believe in a strong federal response, so what the hell do they so want? In this case, they're not even at. They're saying you can't come. Yeah, and it's your fault. You're not here. Exa exactly. Yeah, and it makes no sense. Like, what is the wine supposed to do? There's been a lot of mockery of like, well, the Democrats, that the party of again, like environmental protection and green and this, like, well, where's where's their response? And that is such a just. Oh, cynical bullshit. bullshit! Like, uh, you know, Nick and like, and, and by the way, by the way, this disaster can genuinely the way we trace back the economic collapse in '08 to uh, Clinton's deregulation in '97. 
we don't have to go that far back. We only have to go back about three years where Trump deregulated safety standards for the railroads. Right. That was three years ago. Nick, Nick Sartor says it's a really scary thing to think that the federal government cannot be trusted enough to tell us uh, whether or not it is safe to go back into an area like this. Well, they're not allowed there, right? The governor's not allowing them there. And B, if you start with the theory that they, they can't be trusted, then every single thing they'll do is evidence that they can't be trusted. Tucker Carlson, one of the five worst human beings currently, oh, probably cracks the top 15 all time. Simultaneously, one of the most influential right. on the right. Said, here's his response. Well... They forced the coronavirus on the country, so I think that can't be trusted. They can't be trusted. So, a vaccine in the country. Um, so, here's a case where when you try to do something to help people, you're wrong. And then when you don't try to, you're also wrong. And then, just because we can't let, let the culture wars go for 30 fucking seconds, he described Pete Buttigieg as flamboyantly incompetent. When was the last time you heard a heterosexual oh male God. be referred to as flamboyant? That this is, and Pete Buttigieg, the least flamboyant gay man in the world, and maybe in the top five least flamboyant people after my dad. I mean, talk about uh, a dog whistle. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. Like, it, it, I mean, and also, like, let's just, let's compare that to, like, the left-wing media coverage of this, which has been all about how the train company is greedy how the train company is responsible for this, how they shirk safety standards, how the workers, when they went on strike within the last year, went on strike because of safety standards and, by the way, got their strike broken by Joe Biden and the Democrats in Congress. Yeah. Oh, no, there's blood on the Democrats. There's no blood. I but, mean, the people right. haven't died yet. Yeah. There, there's, there is blame on the Democrats. Yeah, but, you know, Okay, they over they broke the unions. To me, that's an that's a mortal sin. Yes, but they didn't deregulate the industry like Trump did. And the left wing coverage of this has focused on the workers and the safety aspects of it. And I am so tired of hearing right wingers talk about how the media doesn't cover their issues because that is the dominant voice in the discussion right now. And the voice of articles covering the workers is like unseen. It's really hard to find these articles unless you know where to look. Yeah, I mean, you can look at the New York Times and Washington Post, but they have no, they have no juice anymore because that's not how the vast majority of our country gets their news. Because, no. and I'll, I'll give the Washington Post more credit than the New York Times, but like, if you try to give a complete picture. Certainly, the right doesn't want to hear it, and the left kind of doesn't want it either. But, like, I mean, because clearly there are issues. Like, the, the, the Democrats were the ones who, who overlooked the safety issues here. They, you know, they when Biden came in and had a, a majority in the Senate he did and House, he did not attempt to undo the regulations, yeah. like the deregulations. Like, that should have been done. And then broke the union. And then he broke so, the union. So it's not like anybody comes out great here. And I think... And, and to get back, and I'll kick it to you in a second, Andrew, but to what you said earlier, I think based on the Love Canal, based on Flint, based on a million environmental issues, there is reason for healthy skepticism 
about the government's response to these issues. That is different from the kind of claims that we are seeing made on the internet and then and then just spoken on right-wing television media, including Fox News, as though they're being true. Um, you know, yeah, I, journalists are being arrested in East Palestine. There journalist. was one journalist who was not charged. It was disorderly conduct because he he fought. He argued with the police when they told him he couldn't go into an area. And Chris fucking Cuomo said, how does a reporter get hit with criminal trespass? Asked Chris Cuomo, the former CNN anchor who hosts a show on News Nation. I'll tell you how. This is when people in power don't want you around. You know who doesn't want Chris Cuomo around? Every sentient human being. And shame on News Nation for hiring him. I have concerns and questions about how our government has handled this. I think they are downplaying the incident. I think this is much worse. I think the threat of rising cancer rates along the Ohio River from Ohio to Pennsylvania uh, is a real risk and a real threat from all these carcinogens being released into the water. I mean, 3,500 fish dying don't just die for no reason. They died because of a contaminant. Right. We don't know but, the long-lasting implications. But that, that is, point, yeah. but that is very different than saying, like, the, like, to me, the people to blame here is Norfolk Southern. I think Norfolk Southern's to blame, and the government is trying to cover their ass for Norfolk Southern because Norfolk Southern is a major well, train company. We, we, we don't know, but, we, but that, we'll, we'll, let's see. Yeah. I, I mean, I there, mean should, there should be a House investigation. Yes. Not if, a House investigation. If the, there should be a Senate investigation. If, if we had a Democratic Congress, there would probably be a House investigation under this Republican Congress. They don't want it. They don't give a shit about this. No. The, the, they, the, they're going to invest Biden. They're going to investigate Biden over Biden this. and Buttigieg. Yeah, they're going right. to investigate Biden and Buttigieg. But after they do yeah, Hunter's laptop. So, yeah. so part, and I'll put this interpretation just kind of up for you guys to kind of look at. What I kind of gleaned was, and this is in, in Buttigieg's public comments, was that part of Trump's deregulation and kind of like rollbacks were these freight lines that were that contained cargo with like these like hazardous chemicals, these carcinogenic, carcinogenic chemicals. And I think it was 2015. It was maybe it might have been later, where every uh, car on the train was equipped with brakes that could all like come to like a like a. They can come to a stop. Come to a stop, yeah. like in in you know sequence, whatever. Part of the rollback was like no, that was no longer a thing, and I think that was a part of why this accident, why they, this train crash sure. happened. Like, They've been able to identify that one of the issues was a wheel bearing got too hot and failed. Sure, forty three miles earlier. Yeah, the story that I had read that had these quotes from Buttigieg in it from a right wing outlet. The headline of the story was Buttigieg blames Trump for situation whatever just just those booty judge blames trump which a is incredibly like pretty irresponsible but like the flip side of that coin is again like you you said this like once biden comes in and once we get like a democratic house how do you not kind of how is it not a priority within the department to kind of like get rid of those rollbacks well, i mean like, it, it, kind it, of, it, to it, be it, fair it, at some level COVID happened there but, was that but it's also why i said like this is late stage capitalism yes. and we have government that has two parties that have no interest in ever regulating big business and i guess my point was that like there is a ton of blame to go around and everybody yeah. deserves like a right. piece of that this is, right. what, this is what an oligarchy but, this is what an oligarchy looks but, like we allow businesses to get away with whatever they want and, ex and subsume but, 
exceedingly high profits, and then the government doesn't hold them accountable. We, we, we can acknowledge both sides have, have responsibility. We can also... I mean, one side deregulated and one side didn't. And we can also acknowledge that we have a an entire political movement in this part, in this country, that is so separated from actual facts that they don't matter anymore. We have a whole media apparatus built around that. And I do believe that there will be some reckoning from Democrats on this because you know what? There are a lot of Democrats, a lot of Democrats that were pissed about the, uh, the that union deal, uh, about, about forcing the union deal on them. There were many people who were, you know, I, I do, like I look at the first two years of Biden administration, so, well, you, had, you know, you had a majority of both. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Well, he walked into COVID. Like, I mean, that that is a thing. Yeah. Um, and he's not the president of my dreams. I mean, that's also a thing. He's, you know, uh, I when he got he won, I said, well, he could be a C plus, and he's probably a he's probably in that range. C I plus, read, C he's, minus. He's I'd, in that range. I'd give him a B minus. I'd, I'd give him a B minus. I I he's am been fine. I, I am probably the one who's most critical of Biden at this table, but I'd give him a B minus. He's gotten but, some good but, shit done. But I I do think judges that that one of the things that we look at in this event. We need massive change to actually govern the country, because the because what we what the Republicans will not acknowledge is the enemy of the average citizen is not the government; it's corporations, they, and the government that fails to rein in corporations. What we need is Teddy Roosevelt. They they asked Bernie Sanders about Pete Buttigieg's blame for this. They said, "No, it's Pete Buttigieg the blame." And Bernie's response was, was he driving the train? <laughs> so like there is hope, you know, we're going to, we're going to do all right here. Yeah, I think, right. I think let's let, let's let Bernie run wild on the train companies. Uh, last word, Andrew. Right. We're broken. Our, our government uh, performatively is, is pretty broken. And this is the, you know, just another instance of it. I, I, I'd like to think there's hope. Let's see. And, we'll find and, out. And, and really our, our heartfelt, I mean, it's, it's. I don't want to sound like a Republican after a mass shooting, you know, every day. But truly, our, our heartfelt hope for the people in that that area. Like, it's one thing for me to say, "Well, do they really have all the facts?" It's another thing to like to be raising a four year old child in the in, in that city. And and so, you know, our, our hopes to the best. And with that, we'll say goodnight from the Bill Bradley Collective. As always, we thank you for joining us here. And if you like today's episode smash that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Let's help grow the collective brand. We'll see you all next week on the Bill Bradley Collective.